Hi again, everybody. I'm Tim Muma, and you're listening to localjobnetwork.com radio and the podcast Management Decisions. It's a place for us to pick the brains of a variety of experts on topics that relate to employers and upper management decisions. The focus for discussion on this episode is requiring paid sick leave, why it's important and how it may benefit employers. To talk about this issue, we have Vicki Shabo on the phone. Vicki is the Director of Work and Family Programs for the National Partnership for Women and Families. Vicki, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Tim. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, it's definitely a pleasure to have you on, talk about this topic that is, of course, an important one to discuss. But first of all, to give listeners an idea of where you're coming from and your perspective, why don't you fill us in a little bit of what your organization does? The National Partnership for Women and Families is a nonprofit, nonpartisan advocacy organization based in Washington, D.C. We've been around since 1971, and our core mission is to advance fairness in the workplace, access to quality, affordable health care, and policies that help families manage the dual demands of work and family. All right. Laying it out there for us. I think, uh, obviously, it fits the topic of conversation we have today. In terms of requiring paid sick leave, I guess the first question is, What is the setup currently in the United States as far as who does get it, who doesn't get it, why it's an issue? Just kind of give us a quick summary of of what we're looking at. So unbelievably, 40% of private sector workers in this country do not have a single paid sick day. Hmm. And millions more people have sick days, but they're not allowed to use them uh, to take care of a sick child or a loved one or to take an elderly parent to the doctor. Okay. This is a particularly acute problem among lower wage workers. Among the lowest wage workers, in fact, only 16%, 1-6% have access to paid sick days. And those workers, the workers in the lowest wage industries are often those who are having the most contact with the public. So restaurant workers, child care workers, personal care or home care workers. These are folks who are interacting with customers, uh, with clients, with vulnerable populations. And yet, because they risk losing a day's pay or losing their jobs, they have really no choice, uh, essentially, but to go to work sick. And that was one thing that uh, myself and my colleague here were talking about, just that the interesting part is those high contact areas, healthcare and and food services. um, That's kind of a, a shock that they wouldn't get that paid sick leave. I guess my question is, how did it get to that point or, or why is that the case? I mean, are, is there any, are there any facts to back up why that occurs? Well, I mean, sick days has always in this country been sort of a matter of what employers want to offer. And it's, it's certainly a subject for bargaining in terms of unionization. Hmm. But generally, it's up to employers what they want to do. If you, if you look at sort of labor market dynamics and you think about where we are in terms of unemployment and the labor supply uh, and the number of people who are available for every job and particularly those in low-wage industries, there's really no reason that employers have to offer better benefits, particularly at the lower levels because there are so many workers who are available to work. Hmm. At the high, at higher wage levels, you know, in professional jobs where you know, lots of people have paid sick days or access to paid time off they can use when they're sick, those are used as perks. But we firmly believe that paid sick days is not a perk. Paid sick days should be a basic right and standard for everybody. Um, It protects public health. It protects individual health. And it's really good for the economy overall. Because when people don't have money, for example, to buy groceries because they've been sick, that's really hurting local businesses as well. So do you see this as being in large part an issue for women and family issues specifically because of some of the aspects you've been talking about? 
This is an issue for all workers, men and women, but the reality is that caregiving tends to be done by women. So mothers tend to be more responsible for uh, staying home with a sick child, for Mm -hmm. taking children to get the well care that they need. And so when women in particular don't have paid sick days, it really is a matter of economic security for families, particularly today when uh, women are breadwinners in 40% of households. Sure. No, it definitely makes sense. Primary breadwinners in 40% of households, I should say. Sure. Well, obviously, I think people understand the benefits to the individual workers getting paid sick leave. So why don't we talk a little bit about what the benefits could be for the business, for the employer, because that's clearly where the the change would have to occur. What would you point to as being the biggest benefit for some of those employers out there who maybe are thinking about it or maybe just haven't even thought that it's a problem right now? So there are really at least three benefits, I would say, for employers. The first is savings due to worker productivity. Presenteeism, or workers who are performing at less than full productivity because of illnesses, is estimated to cost employers about $160 billion per year, which is twice as much as the cost of absenteeism. If you have paid sick days, you allow workers to recover at home or seek medical attention in a timely manner. That's going to mean that they're going to come back to work more productive. They're less likely to be out for a longer period of time and they're better able to do their jobs and also less likely to spread contagion through the workplace. And that actually leads me to the second point, which is savings from reduced workplace contagion. So when employees do not have paid sick days, they're about one and a half times more likely to come to work. For the very reason I said before, they fear uh, retribution, they fear being terminated, and moreover, they can't necessarily afford to take unpaid sick time and still provide for their families. Mm -hmm. So we know, for example, from looking at analyses of the H1N1 flu pandemic that the country suffered from a few years back, outbreaks lasted longer in workplaces that were less likely to have paid sick days. And Hmm. flu transmission is reduced when people do have paid sick days. And then there's savings from workplace injuries. Uh, Workers who earn paid sick days are 28% less likely than workers who don't earn paid sick days to be injured on the job. So there are savings overall, multiple ways that employers would save. There's also health care savings and health insurance savings because workers who do have paid sick days are more likely to get cancer screenings, more likely to seek preventive care, and that really holds health care costs down over the long run. Sure. I know one question that's come up with individuals, uh, you know, if you're in a place of work that doesn't offer paid sick days, and I don't know if it's an unfair assumption, but the belief is that maybe they don't also have health insurance, so that would be why they wouldn't go to the doctor or get preventative care. Is that something that's accurate, or do you have any numbers to say that's not necessarily true? We actually do have numbers to say that that's incorrect. Both in Massachusetts, which, as you know, passed health care away before the country overall, there's an independent effect in terms of people getting preventive care based on whether they have sick days or not. And similarly, an analysis by Human Impact Partners overall in the population could tease out an independent effect for having sick days versus not uh, holding health insurance status. When it comes to, I mean, you talked about obviously workers coming in that are sick, not 100%, that can cause different issues. Do business owners or employers who are still maybe fighting this or not making that change? And what are some of the arguments that they bring up against offering those and how it might hurt them as opposed to the benefits you talked about? Right. I think what we commonly hear from employers, and often these are, uh, it's not directly from employers themselves, but from some of the business associations like the Chamber of Commerce and the National Federation of Independent Business, the retailers, the restaurant industry, we hear that profit margins are slim. However, we know that actually the cost of providing paid sick days is uh, outweighed by the benefits that come from all of the things we talked about. We hear that businesses need flexibility in terms of the benefits that they offer. 
And yet the policies that have been written, the public policies that have been written actually offer a fair amount of flexibility in Mm -hmm. terms of how paid sick days are provided. And we hear, you know, really, uh, I think, pretty specious and harmful uh, stereotypes about workers who will abuse paid sick days policies. And yet we know from all of the research that's out there that people use many fewer paid sick days than, uh, than they have available to them. Okay. Now, you brought up the idea of giving some flexibility even with some of the policies that are either planned or trying to be implemented or even are implemented currently. What are some of those ways that employers could have that flexibility and also provide those paid sick days? Because I would imagine most aren't going to go from, you know, zero to 60, so to speak, in terms of what they offer. Right. So in the the eight jurisdictions which have or will soon have paid sick days laws in place, All of the policies do allow for flexibility in terms of allowing employers to provide a bank of paid time off that's available rather than designating time as sick time, as long Mm -hmm. as employees are able to use that bank of days in the same way as the law provides. So for their own illness and the illness of a family member and without any retribution for uh, using the sick time that they've that they have available or have accrued. Do you have any specific examples of maybe, you know, okay, you get this if this happens or any sort of way that you're earning these sick days? Yeah, under the the policies, the laws that have been put in place, workers earn one hour of sick time for anywhere between 30 and 40 hours of work, depending on the jurisdiction that we're talking about, up to a maximum number of days a year. And in some places, that's three, some five. In San Francisco, workers can earn a maximum of nine days in most of the businesses. So these are reasonable policies that are, are basing the amount of sick time that's available up to a maximum on the amount of time that workers uh, have put in on the job. Sure. Uh, from a lot of things that I've read, you know, the talk, of course, is about the smaller businesses. And there are, of course, they have issues with, well, if I only have eight people and how that affects them. What are we looking at in terms of where these policies fall into place and, and again, in terms of the size of business, because I think that ends up being a big issue with this conversation. Employers overall, both large and small businesses, have reported very few problems in the places where these laws are in place. So mm. San Francisco was the first jurisdiction to adopt a paid sick days law in 2006. It's been in place since February of 2007. There's been fairly extensive research done on San Francisco, and there's absolutely no evidence that even the smallest businesses are harmed by this policy. Uh, In fact, it's interesting, the vice president of the Chamber of Commerce in San Francisco was recently interviewed by the New York Times, and he said that the impact was, quote unquote, minimal, that paid sick days really hadn't been an issue for employers, uh, and pointed out that, in fact, the San Francisco economy is booming. So when you've got somebody who would have been the chief opponent of such a law uh, saying such you know, such uh, neutral to positive things about it, you know that this really isn't a big deal uh, and that the predictions of doom and gloom are very overblown every time they're raised. Have you seen then for yourself, uh, I mean, a lot of positive change or is your organization happy with the direction of of where things are going? Is it not as quickly as you'd like? I mean, kind of break down your analysis of of the changes that are occurring. Well, I mean, change is never as swift as we would hope (laughs) for every passing year where legislation sits in Congress or is debated uh, and then sits in state legislatures, millions of families are being forced to make impossible choices between taking care of themselves and their loved ones and paying their bills uh, and staying employed. So change is never swift enough. However, I, you know, I'm thrilled with the momentum that we have seen and helped to work towards over the last several years. Just last year, three cities passed new paid sick days laws, Portland, Oregon, New York City, Newark, New Jersey, 
The District of Columbia um, has expanded its law to include the tipped workers, tipped restaurant workers who were left Mm -hmm. out, and to make it easier for workers to accrue sick time. Uh, New York City is looking at expanding the law that it passed last year to include smaller businesses. And we really do see progress on the horizon in several states. Um, You've got governors raising this issue as a priority. You've got legislators zealously pursuing this policy. So I think things are headed in the right direction. This is a core issue of economic security for workers and their families. um, And it really does make good business sense for employers as well. Well, Vicki, I definitely appreciate the conversation and you've come well-equipped with, uh, you know, facts to back up a lot of what you're talking about. We always like to give our guests a final, uh, you know, 30 seconds or so to give our listeners a takeaway from what we've been discussing. So what would you like to put out there for the listeners, many of which whom could be employers themselves? Uh, But anyway, anything you want to leave us with in talking about paid sick leave? You know, I think the most important thing for listeners to take away is that paid sick days is a policy that makes good business sense, good health sense, and good economic sense. Paid sick days standards are good for everybody, really. They're win-win. They are low-cost, high-reward policies that employers themselves should adopt and that we really, as a nation, need to have basic standards in place. And that's why policies such as the Healthy Families Act, which is pending in Congress, make good sense uh, and why we are so pleased that there are states and cities around the country considering this policy that have great business support, passionate business owners speaking in support of these policies. So while we always hear sort of the usual critiques from some of the more organized business interests, uh, individual business owners are speaking up all over the country to say, this is good policy, it's good for my employees, and it's good for my bottom line. All right. With that, we will wrap up this edition of Management Decisions and the topic of businesses offering paid sick days. Our guest today has been Vicki Shabo with the National Partnership for Women and Families. Vicki, thank you for sharing your insight with the listeners today. We do appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course, we also want to hear from all of you listening as well. So just send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Maybe you have a topic or even an organization in mind you'd like us to discuss on the show. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.